0: The Delta variant of the coronavirus upended recovery plans and disrupted markets, and now we're even dealing with a new variant, Omicron. This makes finding promising spots to invest in even trickier than expected. Hi, I'm Sarah Chair from Bond Supermart, Welcome to another episode of our podcast series where we share with you about newborn issues and hold discussions on a fixed income market. As we now enter a new year, um, investors face a dilemma. Should they wager on a recovering economy or you know, prepare themselves for more fits, starts, and now with Omicron, maybe even more lockdowns? Um, today, we have with us Yo Aaron, Senior Portfolio Manager at IFAS Singapore, to share with us how he plans to position his portfolio for 2022.
1: Thanks for having me, Sarah.
0: And thank you for joining us today, Weren. To get us started, uh, could you share with us what are your thoughts on the economic outlook moving into 2022?
1: So I think uh, the global economic recovery will continue into um, 2022, uh, but of course at a more moderate pace um, because the reality is that the world has engaged in a large-scale stimulus and uh, as we move into Mm. 2022, the impact of these stimulus will actually fade away. Uh, But of course, having said that, Slower growth doesn't actually mean a weaker growth because uh, I do expect growth to still remain at resilient levels, uh, especially when you consider the fact that the household balance sheets in US and Europe, they are still at rock solid levels. Um, Asia will likely lead global growth in 2022 uh, because they have um, actually undergone um, quite a significant pickup in terms of its uh, vaccination rates, uh, especially in um, the Northeast Asian um, economies like Japan. And uh, also if you look at the manufacturing, hubs in Southeast Asia, um, like Malaysia, Vietnam, and Indonesia. So production activities is starting to pick up over um, in that part of the world. And um, I, I do believe that uh, an economic recovery is uh, underway um, in in, in, uh, in Asia. and of course uh, it is impossible to talk about uh, Asia if we don't refer to China, yes, which is experiencing right. uh, a growth slowdown at this point. So for China, I think um, its growth slowdown is currently at a point where policymakers can no longer ignore uh, as we have seen in uh, its recent um, change in policy stance. Uh, focusing on growth stabilization. So I think moving forward, as we step into 2022, uh, we could expect to see some uh, policy easing, uh, some policy fine-tuning. I don't think we will be seeing large-scale easing in China, Mm. but some um, fine-tuning and also some relaxation of certain policies that were put in place over the past year. And uh, all in all, I think uh, Asia is likely going to um, uh, lead global growth and also at the global economic uh, level, I think recovery is still likely going to be strong as we head into 2022.
0: I guess we can't talk about the outlook without mentioning inflation. So with all that' happening, you know are you team uh, transitory or team structural slash persistent?
1: Uh, definitely team persistent. Uh, We are of um, the view that inflation is likely going to stick around for um, longer than expected Mm. and uh, this will force the Federal Reserve to um, hike its interest rates in 2022. Uh, A couple of reasons for that. Um, we think that um, evidence is increasingly pointing towards inflation that is more broad-based rather than um, inflation that is contained in um, certain categories that are associated with economic reopening, uh, as what the Federal Reserve has been alluding to throughout uh, 2021. Uh, It is looking more um, broad-based and um, spreading into um, other areas outside of um, these reopening categories. And uh, on top of that, Businesses are also raising their prices um you know if you look at um the earnings reports of uh mcdonald's uh g ikea and also even discount retailers like Dollar Tree which um has been selling its stuff for one dollar it is now selling its things at one twenty five and when an ultra cost sensitive company like Dollar Tree. Uh, increases its price, then I think inflation is something that market participants need to take seriously, uh, which we do, and we think that um, this will likely force the Federal Reserve to hike its interest rates in uh, our twenty twenty
0: two. Yeah, I really like those examples because I think those are those are things that you know retail consumers um, can relate to. So it's easier for us to see the impact rather than it just being numbers um, in news reports. So. Um, I think another telltale sign for that was when uh, Jerome Powell uh, decided that you know we should retire the, the T word transitory. Yep. And um, this all came in at a rather crazy week, right? Yep. Because it was also the same week or same period whereby they found or they reported the discovery of a new variant, which is Omicron. Mm. So how has the discovery of Omicron actually affected your outlook?
1: Well, um, the emergence of Omicron has definitely added one um, additional layer of uh, risk and also one additional layer of uncertainty to Mm. our asset allocation decisions. Uh, But I think it is still too early to draw any conclusions from Omicron because uh, we still don't know enough about this new variant. Uh, But what I can say at this point is that uh, I think the world has uh, reacted a lot faster to Omicron than we did with Delta. With Omicron, I think uh, a lot of countries actually um, imposed travel bans on uh, Southern Africa uh, within just a day of um, the emergence of um, the Omicron variant. But for Delta, I think we took um, slightly longer. Uh, I think a lot of countries actually took weeks before they started imposing travel bans on India. But by the time they started imposing those bans, um, the Delta variant has actually travelled to many parts of the world and are seeding waves after waves of uh, the pandemic. I think it could be that um, Omicron could eventually displace Delta as um, the dominant strain in the future. I hope not to, but uh, even if it does, uh, I think the fast reaction by global governments these travel bans, they are going to buy time for healthcare systems around the world to prepare for this coming wave of Omicron infections. So I think that's a positive. Uh, Vaccines, of course, still remain our primary defence against the virus. And on this front, there are actually um, uh, positive news because the vaccine makers, they have come out to say that they are able to tweak their shots to fight uh, the Omicron variant. So I think um, even though Omicron is... A, a risk a downside risk to our projections at this point uh, I think there are also positives um, to take away at this point and also it could be that um, the slowdown or the economic impact brought about by omicron it may not be as bad as what market participants have feared in recent times
0: mm. where my next question um, is quite general um, give it's really general, actually, I think, because equities and bonds, you know, come in all different forms. But given the current situation that we're in, would you be able to say that perhaps bonds are a safer alternative to equities?
1: Well, the short answer to your question is yes. I think (laughs) um, bonds in general, they are safer compared to equities. Mm. But I'll just like to add on by saying that um, I think bonds and equities in general, they have very different uh, risk return profiles and they have very different roles to play in an investor's portfolio. Uh, Equities, they give very exciting, very high returns, but um, they come with quite a high level of risk as well. Uh, The converse is also true. Bonds are boring, they are safer, low volatility, but at the same time, they don't deliver as high a return uh, as compared to an investment in the equity market. So different kinds of assets, different roles to play. Uh, But of course, if you are a conservative investor that is looking to um, have a stable portfolio, or um, if you have capital preservation as one of your uh, investment objectives, then I would say uh, going for the safer Uh, Fixed income assets is something that you want to consider for your own portfolios. Mm. Uh, There is, of course, other alternatives other than fixed income. Uh, Cash, that is also another option uh, if you are looking for something that's extremely safe. Uh, Cash is definitely something to look at. But cash has an opportunity cost attached to it, uh, especially if heading into 2022, if this recovery continues... And if financial markets continue to boom, then the opportunity cost for investors holding too much cash in their portfolios is that they're going to miss out on on this rally in 2022. And this cash is going to eventually be a drag on their overall portfolio returns. But of course, between cash and fixed income, I think I do have a slight preference for fixed income because uh, fixed income gives um, slightly higher returns. Uh, It also gives me a, a steady... Uh, income uh, on my investment as well and it's relatively safe and if, if you are just investing in um, the investment grade uh, space.
0: I'm sure you get um. well my next question I'm sure you get this a lot especially since we're nearing the end of the year. Um, As a portfolio manager how are you positioning your portfolio for 2022?
1: Well um, at the asset class level between uh, equities and fixed income I mm. do think the right place to be in is actually equities. Um, The reason for that is because um, we we think the economic recovery is going to continue into 2022 and this is going to provide a favorable backdrop for uh, the performance of equity markets. Another reason is valuations. If you look at the valuations of uh, equities relative to fixed income, equities are actually, um, I would say, a lot more attractive. Um, In the equity space, I think the only market that is considered uh, really expensive right now is actually the US equity market. Outside of the US equity market, you realize that the valuations of um, the other equity markets, they are actually at reasonable levels. And there are also certain markets like Asia, like China, that are offering quite attractive valuations as well. So uh, investment opportunities in the equity space, I would say, are still relatively abundant. But if you look at the fixed income space, um, there are opportunities in the fixed income space at this point, but um, I would say that a large uh, proportion of the fixed income universe is currently offering very limited value. Uh, Spreads are at historical low levels. Uh, Same thing for um, bond use. So I think um, in general, bonds, they are not as uh, compelling an asset class as compared to equities. So how am I going to position my portfolio? I think um, having an overweight position in equities, that's something that I will have in my portfolios heading into 2022.
0: And as we prepare for, you know, all that's going to come in 2022, which I, we can't forecast anything at this point in time, but as we prepare for that, how can we as investors actually build a more resilient portfolio? Well, um, in
1: 2022, I think one thing that will likely happen is Fed rate hikes. Oh, yes. And for fixed income investors, and for investors who have mm. uh, a large um, uh, proportion of their assets in fixed income um who have a large proportion of their portfolio in fixed income assets, uh, I think they are likely to be challenged because uh, fixed income assets, especially the longer dated ones, uh, they tend to be very sensitive to interest rate movements. So for this group of investors who have longer dated bonds inside their portfolios, I think one way to build resilience in their fixed income portfolios is to reduce or shorten the duration profile of your fixed income portfolios uh, by investing in shorter dated bonds because these assets, they tend to be uh, less sensitive to interest Mm. rate movements. And uh, I think another area, uh, or rather another um, asset to look at is uh, floating rate bonds. Floating rate bonds, they probably will be something that is attractive in a rising interest rate environment they can potentially do well. And because their coupons reset at regular intervals in line with uh, the overall interest rate environment, uh, investors will also tend to get um, a higher level of income as interest rates increase. So that's another um, upshot for investing in floating rate bonds. And of course, uh, I think Chinese government bonds, I think that is also something that could introduce a bit of resilience into your fixed income portfolio. Uh, They are investment grade. They are higher yielding compared to um, other um, sovereign bonds in other developed markets. And uh, most importantly, I think they do have the potential to be a good fixed income diversifier, especially this year because uh, when global bonds sold off, Chinese government bonds, they have been... um, Uh, a reliable safe haven asset for many fixed income investors. So I think that is also something for fixed income investors to consider as well. Uh, In the equity space, I think, um, I've said just now, the US equity market is really quite expensive. Um, I think investors probably should expect lower level of returns from here because um, a lot of expectations uh, have been built into the US equity market. So uh, I think my recommendation for investors is to look at other areas offering more attractive value. Um, I think uh, Japan is one market Mm. that is offering attractive value. Uh, Asia, uh, China is also very attractive at this point following uh, the the significant uh, correction that we have seen in 2021.
0: So what are your best ideas moving forward. You mentioned Japan. Um, is that one of, you know, your, your top few ideas?
1: Yes, definitely. I think uh, Japan is uh, a very interesting market at this point. Uh, we do like Japan quite a lot and we do expect Japan to play catch up with its global peers Mm. in 2022. Uh, Japan has largely disappointed this year because of its uh, slow vaccination rate, especially in uh, the earlier parts of 2021. But as we headed into the second half of this year, you'll realize also that uh, the vaccination rates of Japan has actually picked up very significantly, but this has not been picked up by market participants. Uh, Japan's vaccination rate in fact has now overtaken uh, not just the US, but it has also overtaken taken the UK and also a a lot of other European countries as well. And this actually paves the way for a more sustained uh, economic reopening and uh, also a more sustained recovery in terms of uh, domestic demand. So uh, Japan is uh, a market that we are looking at um, that could potentially outperform in uh, 2022. Uh, Another market is, of course, China. We think that um, China's equity market has likely bottomed. Uh, Admittedly, China has not done well this year because of uh, the regulatory uh, pressures that have been um, uh, imposed by the Chinese government on um, many sectors across the economy, Mm. especially the tech sector. But uh, we do think that... um, the regulatory pressures could likely ease in, uh, in 2022, especially with uh, the growth slowdown, uh, currently at a level that uh, we think the policymakers can no longer ignore. They have also recently changed their policy stance to uh, towards more uh, growth stabilization. And um, bearing in mind also that 2022 is a politically sensitive year for Xi Jinping, he will want to go into 2022 with a strong economic backdrop that will uh, support his um, you know, re-election as the party chief of uh, the, the Communist Party. So all things considered, I think um, things could start to look up for China in 2022. And in any case, valuations are at rock bottom levels. Um, I think a lot of risk has already been priced in. So uh, we do um, expect... Um, sentiment to recover in um, the Chinese equity market and we think it could potentially outperform uh, in 2022. And of course, uh, I think in the fixed income space, Asian high yield is something that uh, we are particularly uh, positive on. Mm. Uh, there has been quite a lot of uh, negative news this year. Oh, you, you don't say? <laughs> yeah, um, especially uh, related to the Chinese property developers, mm. uh, which is not exactly good for sentiment. But it is because of these negative news that the sector has um, seen yeah. and undergone a significant correction. Uh, and as a result, I think um, attractive value is starting to emerge in um, the Asian high yield segment. Uh, it is currently offering one of the highest yields um, in the market right now. Uh, spreads are also looking attractive relative to historical levels. And I think uh, this is perhaps a sector that uh, could be a contrarian bet in uh, 2022.
0: All right, And so just picking up your last two points there, um, China, um, bottoming out, and Asian high yield with, you know, Chinese real estate um, composing of a, contributing towards a a big chunk of what's in um, the Asian high yield indices. If I could tie that kind of all together, would you say that the Chinese real estate sector is also bottoming out? Would you you be able to say that?
1: Well, I would say we are near a bottom. Uh, It is always difficult to predict when... um, the market bottom yeah. will come. But I think there are certain telltale signs in the market right now that could give us an indication of uh, when the bottom is. Uh, I, th- I think it's near. One of the telltale signs is that um, uh, the market is actually pricing in an extreme level of fear. And if you look at market cycles in the past, market bottoms, they tend to coincide with periods of uh, extreme Investor fear, and that is what we are seeing in the Asian high market right now. Uh, especially when you look at the kind of yields and the kind of credit spreads that are uh, that is being offered by the Asian high market right now. It it seems to suggest that market participants are uh, pricing in the possibility of a mass default across the sector, which is mm-hmm. a possibility that we or rather a scenario that we think is uh, quite unlikely at this point. So we think um, that is one telltale sign that perhaps the bottom could be near. And also another telltale sign is uh, the recent change in uh, the government's stance towards Mm. um, uh, not just the economy, but also the real estate sector as well. Uh, There there has been some relaxation in terms of um, the uh, measures that have been imposed uh, over the past uh, few months, uh, because I think the Chinese government also realized that they have perhaps Um, overly clamped down on the sector and they are starting to relax by a bit, uh, allowing the stronger developers to uh, still have access to liquidity, have access to lending. Uh, But of course, uh, at this point, we do not rule out the possibility that there could be more defaults along the way, especially amongst the the weaker property developers. But I think uh, a mass default across the sector is something that is, uh, I would say, unthinkable right now. And um, for Market participants to actually price in this possibility. I think, uh, I think attractive value is starting to emerge in um the Asian high yield space right now.
0: Fantastic. So we're in um as we zoom out back to the big picture, the past two years of you know living with COVID nineteen has really seen the market move in some really unexpected ways. Um, and as we move towards calling this an endemic, are there any investing lessons that um you know we can pick up? from investing through a pandemic or perhaps the the biggest lesson that that you've seen so far?
1: Well, um, if there is only one lesson that I can take away from this pandemic, uh, it is that diversification is very important. Uh, I know this has been said many times across history and I I don't want to sound like a broken record (laughs) over here, uh, but I want to emphasize the importance of diversification because it is important. Uh, COVID-19 has exposed the kind of unforeseen risk that investors generally want to avoid. Mm. COVID-19 was also a reminder that market crisis will always come and it will come at a time when you least expect it to do so. And for us to be able to prepare for the next market crisis, I think um, the only way for us to do so is to actually have a diversified portfolio. Uh, The recent emergence of Omicron I think that is also another reminder that we are far from over in our fight with COVID-19. And that also means that we probably need to be um, very uh, uh, very familiar, or rather, uh, we need to be able to live with volatility in this current investment landscape. And the only way for us to be able to navigate this uh, uncertainty uh, brought about by COVID-19 and Omicron, is to really have a diversified portfolio. And when I say diversified, mm. uh, I don't mean just diversification across geographical markets. I mean diversification across asset classes as well. Uh, not only should you have um, you know, equities inside your portfolio, having fixed income assets inside your portfolio, I think that is also uh, something that is important as well.
0: Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, I think you make a really good point there because as retail investors... Even myself, sometimes we chase the next, um, the next big investment idea, um, the next, the next big stock, or perhaps the next big theme. And as we start to collect all these different investment um, products into our little basket, actually, at the end of the day, what we have is a portfolio. And what we need to do is, you know, on an ongoing basis, be able to take care of that portfolio and make sure that it can age as well as we do. Yeah, so um, thank you for joining us here today. This was really insightful and it has, you know, the prep for all this has actually prompted me to go and look at my portfolio once again.
1: Thank you, Sarah. Happy to be here today.
0: Thank you. This episode was recorded on the 16th of December, 2021. It was brought to you by Bond Supermart. I'm Sarah Chia and our guest speaker with us today is Yo Weiren, Senior Portfolio Manager at IFAS Singapore. Follow Bond Supermart on Twitter, Facebook, and Telegram to get first-hand updates on newborn issues, credit updates, and special events. For bond information and articles, visit our website, bondsupermark.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.